It's show 85 of the Rim Pro Report. Today, Jim and Noah of Perpetual Storage and the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. What I know is that the staff at O'Neill are committed to your success. Salespeople, management team, technical support staff, customer service people, the R&D team, they're all working to support your RIM service business. If you want to learn more about them, you can do that at O'NeillSoft.com. Hey, it feels like spring has sprung, so let's get to it. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Yep, it's me. I'm back and uh, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to this week's show. I am always appreciative of the fact that you take the time out of your day, your week, to check out what's happening on this week's show. So if you've missed shows in the last few weeks, I want to remind you of some good ones. Kathy Albertini was on the show last week talking about executive, ongoing executive development. Uh, the week before, Jim Teske filled us in on the details of the PRISM staff and management transition. And if you didn't listen to that one and you're part of PRISM, I think that one's an imperative one that you listen to. Bob Johnson was on the week before giving us a complete update of what's happening happening at Nade and what's been going on in the association this last year. So be sure to take the time to check them out. We, we're at 85 shows now. There's there's a ton of great information on this site, ton of great stories about where people have been and what they've been up to and how they built their businesses. And pretty much every week without fail, there's a lesson in one of those, one of those shows for us. So uh, I'd really encourage you to go back through the archives and see what else is there that can help you out. This week, another great show planned. Today, I'm going to be talking to Jim Noah. Jim is the Vice President of Sales for Perpetual Storage, which is located just outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. He's been with the company for 31 years, so a longtime industry veteran. He's been affiliated with many industry organizations over the years and has served as president of the Utah chapter of ARMA, as well as president of the Utah chapter of Association of Contingency Planners. So he's well-connected, well, been really a significant part of this industry. And perpetual storage is a really unique situation, unique story, and something unique in our industry. And I want you to have the opportunity to hear about that today. So I'm going to be talking to him shortly, but before we get Jim on the line, let's catch up on the latest industry news from the week. So acquisitions are still happening. Cornerstone just announced the acquisition of Masterfile in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This is Cornerstone's 23rd acquisition. This acquisition adds some more depth to Cornerstone's Denver region. So congrats to Gary Ediger on the sale of his business to Cornerstone. Hey, Nade recently announced, I'm having trouble talking today. Nade recently announced the newly elected board members coming out of the conference. Tom Huth from All Shred Services was elected president. Les 
Eichheit of Document Destruction and Recycling Services in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, was elected secretary. The membership elected as board members Don Adrianson of Titan Mobile Shredding in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, Renee Keener. Uh, been on the show already of American Document Securities in Carrollton, Georgia, and Angie Singer Keating, another guest on our show from Reclamere in Tyrone, Pennsylvania. Paul Garfunkel of Intech Truck and Equipment Leasing uh, was elected as the vendor liaison. So congrats to all the newest NAID board members. And finally, just a reminder that the PRISM International Annual Conference will be happening at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas May 14th to 17th uh, in next month. So this will be a significant transition conference. So I really encourage you, if you're part of PRISM, to be at that conference. That's it for the news and rim this week. If you have any news to share, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Hey, I'm going to get Jim Noah on the line right now. Hang on for a second while I get him. Jim Noah is VP of Sales for Perpetual Storage. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Jim's a true industry veteran of more than 31 years. Jim, are you there? Yes. I Welcome to the RIMPRO Report. It is a pleasure having you on with us this week. So rumor has it it's been a great snow season in Utah this year. Uh, the rumor is false. It is was it? last year that we had a great snow season. So this one wasn't as good as last year? We are at about 65% of normal snowfall for this year. But I've, I've heard that the spring snow is pretty good. Uh, so far, we, we've had some spring storms. Our vault is up by Alta and Snowbird Ski Resorts. Yeah. And so anytime there's snow in our canyon, of course, we get it. Wow. So uh, we don't mind it. We've been in business uh, 44 years, so we've learned how to work with uh, inclement weather. Very cool. Well, let's talk talk about that in a bit. But before we go uh, on to that, tell me about Perpetual Storage. Uh, you're VP of Sales, and you've been there a long time, 31 years. But uh, So you've been really with the company for a long time. So let's first start with what is it you actually do? What are your service offerings? We basically have two services. Uh, storage of digital records and microfilm, and also our courier service. Uh, we have our own couriers. We don't subcontract our couriers out. Okay. So we don't store paper records. No paper records? No. Why is that? Well, one of the things that uh, we wanted to do is limit the vulnerabilities and dangers to people who may be storing digital records with us. And of course, over the years, there have been other paper storage warehouses that have completely burned to the ground, and we didn't want that. So we do not store paper in our vault. Yeah, so that that's actually a pretty unique position in the industry because there are other vault operators, but many of them have expanded, whether they started as a vault, they expanded to include uh, paper, um, and many of them you know, have grown from that to add shredding and other peripheral, what we call rim services, let's say. But you've stuck with being a purely data protection media backup storage facility. That is correct. And we feel like there's a place in the market for uh, our type of services. Uh, The other thing is when we excavated this vault into the solid granite mountain about 45 years ago, of course, we have limited space. I mean, we, it would be fairly expensive to try to expand this facility. 
And so when we excavated back into the mountain, uh, that left us with uh, a limited amount of space, and we thought it would be best served by uh, doing digital records. Hmm. So let, let's go back 45 years. I know you've only been there 31, but uh, tell me really the genesis of of why perpetual storage started. What was the dream, or what was, was the original intent to just put a hole in the mountain and and put uh, backup tapes in there, or what, what was going on 45 years ago? This story will probably sound like it was made up in Hollywood. I like those. But uh, there was a local gentleman by the name of Rich Whitmore yeah. who actually, in the early 1940s, built an oxygen plant at the mouth of Little Cottonwood Canyon. And around the oxygen plant, he built homes for his workers. It was kind of a self-contained little unit, and he bought the Granite Mountain. The Granite Mountain extends from the mouth of Little Cottonwood Canyon for about three and a half miles. It's what is called a monolithic lacolith, or a solid piece of granite that literally extruded up through the Earth's crust thousands of years ago. And this is a glacier-formed canyon, so when the glacier got to the Granite Mountain, it sliced right through it, exposing both sides. So he held on to the Granite Mountain for several years until the early 1960s when the LDS Church asked him to sell property for their vault. And so uh, he did that, and a couple of years later he thought, well, gee, we own the mountain, what are we going to do with it? At that time, women didn't want granite countertops like they do now, so he decided, well, let's excavate a commercial uh, vault for the storage of critical records. So he tried to find investors. There was only one other person who invested in this project, a gentleman by the name of Robert Lynch in Southern California. Hmm. So they started this project in 1967, and it took about a year to complete it. And then after uh, about a year of being in business, Mr. Lynch uh, bought Mr. Whitmore out. So it's been in the Lynch family ever since. 45 years ago, Lynch gets involved in this. They dig a hole in the, in the, the mountain. And there's, obviously there's other vaults in this mountain, sounds like. Uh, it's just the, uh, the LDS Church's genealogical vaults. Wow, uh, okay. They're, they're storing their genealogical microfilm in their vault. Their vault is about a mile into the canyon. Ours is two miles into the canyon. Hmm. The, the original intent was to put digital records in here. Yeah, well, at that time, uh, you know, you look and, and you say, well, what kind of records were available in 1968? Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly people weren't using computers like they, they do now. Right. And if they were, who was backing up? Right. So our company really struggled during the 1970s because we were a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So what we were storing in here, we stored a lot of microfilm. We stored a lot of gold, silver, and platinum. Really? Um, We stored a lot of art. And, you know, it was a slow process during the 1970s. But once the 1980s hit, then our business just took off to the point where we hired a local engineering company to come in and build a second and third freestanding mezzanine inside the vault because we were getting so many records in here. Hmm. Tell me a little bit more about the facility. We kind of know it's built in the side of the hill, or in the side of the mountain, the granite mountain, but tell me a little bit about size, or at least what you feel comfortable in sharing, uh, about okay. the size and the structural elements of that. Okay. 
Well, first of all, uh, what they did is we hired a mining company to excavate back into the mountain. They literally blasted their way back in here. And uh, from the uh, entrance of the garage area and our loading dock to the back of the vault is about 500 feet. Oh, uh, so it's not, not that... I mean, that's a, a fairly good uh, hole in the side of a mountain, but it's not that that huge. It's not monstrous. No, yeah. The, no. Uh, the vault itself is about 250 feet long by 30 feet wide by 35 feet high. And as I mentioned, uh, in the mid-1980s, we did hire a company to come in and add a second and third mezzanine structure. The other thing is, uh, in order to get into the vault itself, without giving away a lot of trade secrets, you'd have to go through a number of doors, gates, and the vault door itself is six tons of stainless steel. So we bought it from the Kumahara Company in Japan, basically because they were advertising that their doors withstood a nuclear blast when the bombs were dropped, and we figured, you know, this is great. I mean, we've got a solid granite mountain over us, and now we've got a a vault door that withstood a nuclear blast, so we feel pretty comfortable, uh, you know, with that type of a setup. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that they did uh, inside the vault, they actually uh, built a uh, corrugated steel building in there, not to hold anything up, but just to give us some internal shape. Because oh, okay. we do We do control the environment back in the vault. The mountain keeps the temperature between 60 and 62 degrees year-round, naturally, so we don't have to do anything to control that. We do recirculate and filter the air every six hours, and we can add or take out humidity by using what is called a cathabar uh, piece of equipment. We keep the, um, the humidity about 30%, so we fall well within ANSI standards right, yeah. for archival storage. Wow, that's that's really cool. So I I noticed even on your website the uh, you got a, a a dude with a gun right at the front door. Is that legitimately the case? Yes. It looked like a very big gun. Yes, we do have uh, armed guards on site. Uh, we're a maximum security facility. The facility was built for Department of Defense specifications. So we're serious about what we do. And our uh, clients appreciate the fact that not only do we have armed personnel on site, but the latest in detection and intrusion equipment. We don't do a lot of advertising. Therefore, a lot of people who live even in the local area don't even know we're up here. Yeah, because I I was at uh, Snowbird last year, and I I missed you completely. Well, I I would say, (laughs) Tom, that we... I, I I would give you a trade secret. We actually move the vault every two weeks. And if you believe that, <laughs> I've got some real estate I can sell you. Well, I'm, I'm prone to buying real estate, so. No, we, we, don't, we don't really have any signs that um, indicate where we are. Yeah. Uh, for uh, potential clients or clients who want to come up and tour the facility, then we'll give them directions. But even if we give them directions, it's... Uh, it's a little bit hard to find. So does that extend to your delivery fleet as well? Are your, your, is your fleet unmarked? Yes. Okay, so you're, you're really the stealth operation is really what you're going for then. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and and our, our clients like the fact that when our couriers show up, they're in unmarked vehicles. We don't really have a uniform that we have them wear. If you were to see one of our couriers, it looks like just anybody else that might be walking into a building. Oh, okay. 
it seems to me then your pitch, the way you sell yourself is security, but obviously your facility is is a significant part of the sale. So how important is it to get your prospects out to your facility? Our prospects, uh, I would say our client base right now, if we can get a potential client to tour our facility, we probably sign up 99.9% of those. It's, it's a real added benefit to have a storage vault in a solid piece of granite with armed guards on site that's been in business as long as we have. Yeah. I can imagine the residual effect of the the 45 years, uh, your location, uh, let alone the, the quality of the, the VP of sales himself, who's got a personality and, and all that. that. That all works for you. Because, I mean, you've been in the game a long time. Uh, I mentioned earlier on the show, you're president of, of ARMA. Uh, you've been president or still are president of Contingency Planners, Association of Contingency Planners. You're you're actively involved in the local. That that 31 years starts building a whole lot of value, doesn't it? Exactly. And that's one of the things that uh, that I feel is, is very critical. I mean, I live in this community, so I feel like I need to be involved in it. And with the, our services, our pricing, the way we treat people, it, it's paid off. I mean, I don't want to go to the mall and have one of our clients, you know, throw uh, something at me because, you know, they don't like the way we've been servicing their, their account. Yeah. So because I live in the community, I mean, you know, Salt Lake is fairly good size, but, you know, I want to make sure that when I go places, if I meet any of our clients, that they'll smile at me yeah. and not throw something at me. Yeah. Well, and that's that's always a good intent. So, so what what are you doing in terms of continuing to grow the base? Because as we all know, companies come and go, companies get purchased, consolidations happen. Some people move to national accounts uh, where they you you lose them. What are you doing to keep the momentum going? What what do you do to sort of keep that flow of new leads. It sounds to me like referrals is a big part of your business, but what what are, what are other things you're doing to keep this thing working well for you? Well, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. First of all, over the years that I've been up here, we've been able to retain about 98% of our clients from year to year. Wow. About the only time we may lose a client is if somebody purchases them and they move them out of the area. Right. But for us, I would say a lot of our new business, uh, one of the great things about IT people is these people uh, get bored easily and they like to move around. So a lot of the, the people that we deal with at one company and like our service may move on to another company and because we've treated them fairly, uh, they'll give us a call and say, hey, come down and, and set up a program for us of off-site storage and courier service. We also uh, have some value-added relationships mm-hmm. with groups that we can benefit and who can benefit us right. as far as, you know, referrals. And then you mentioned, Tom, the associations. Yeah. Those are always valuable because once you go to those, people can see you, you know, it's not some guy up in a granite mountain that never comes out, never sees the light of day. Right. It's somebody that's out there that, that they can get to know. So, you know, those are the things that we've found pretty important. I mentioned we don't do a lot of advertising, 
And so the other thing is just by the mere fact that IT people talk. And if you give good service and fair pricing, you know, if these guys are happy, then they're going to refer you. Yeah. How do you see in it? I mean, this is a, a perpetual... <laughs> perpetual and that that was said in jest but this is a Thank perpetual perpetual issue that we we deal with in our industry especially when you're completely data focused or digital focused is the constant trends towards cloud-based storage uh, that seems to come and go depending on which week you're looking at which news items but how, how have you guys thought about that? What's your, what's your sort of long-term strategy around the advent of cloud, digital, uh, online backup? How, how are you dealing with that? Well, one of the things that we, we've looked at, we've looked at, at those types of services. Right now, we're, we're saying that physical storage of uh, digital media in our vault means it's safe from loss due to hackers, viruses, hardware, software problems line problems, fires, earthquakes, employee sabotage. Our firewall is actually 200 feet of solid granite right? and a 12,000-pound stainless steel vault door. And a dude with a gun. It, yeah, well, we've got more than one dude with a gun. I, I, I'll at least let that out of the bag. Oh. I the love other, that. I love that picture in on your site. I just I love the security picture and the dude standing there with a gun. But yeah, I love I love that firewall, two hundred foot firewall with a you know six thousand pound door. That's that's delightful. Well, you know the other the other thing is too. I mean, we don't discount the fact that there are other services available, and some of our clients are using those. But they're also telling us, you know what, we feel that if there is information that we absolutely cannot afford to lose, uh, a physical copy in a solid granite mountain helps us sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah, and, you're, you're the ultimate backstop. Well, and you know, the thing about it is, too, I mean, you mentioned that some of these cloud services and Internet services have had major problems. I mean, how about Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Dropbox? Yeah. You know, these, these, I mean, these, these are huge companies yeah yeah and you know i'm i'm saying look we have a particular niche that we're filling we're not saying that these other services aren't valuable what we're saying is that our little niche right now is physical storage Mm -hmm. uh we may down the road do something with these other services we actually for the co-location facilities in town there are a lot of our clients that use those who want them to run off to tape, or we'll go down and pick up hard drives also. Okay. And come up here and store. Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah. So you're you're actually aligned in some ways with the cloud providers. Cloud can mean so many various and sundry things. Right. Um, but when you start aligning with the you know, the co-location facilities and that, which then become synonymous with cloud to many other people you're impacting that group as well. So you're, you're really associated with it. But at the end of the day, you're, for the time being, staying physical. Right. Yeah. And just to, to give you one other little aspect of this, for our clients that are out of state, most of those are storing archival uh, digital records with us. Okay. With transportation the way it is right now, if somebody needed something, we could get it to them next day. So, you know, that, that isn't a real concern. For like, for instance, we're 700 miles from a lot of the big cities in in California. Yeah, 
They like the fact that if a disaster happened in their area, we're far enough away that it wouldn't affect us, and yet we're close enough that we can get information to them next day if needed. Yeah. So how much of that is a part of your business? You say you're not actively doing advertising, but you have obviously a significant base of clients who are not in your backyard. Right. And and a lot of times uh, what we will do is we will target a particular industry. Oh, okay. Yep. And, you know, we will do the contacting. And again, uh, IT people have a tendency to talk. And, yeah. and, you know, we love the fact that they talk and they get bored easily and move on to other companies. Yeah. So, you know, that, that that served us well over the years. Yeah, so somebody in Salt Lake City could have gotten a promotion or a move to, say, San Francisco, and that becomes a natural bridge for you, and then that expands over time. Yeah, that or maybe we have a, a client in L.A. who uh, is a member of, let's say, Arma. Yeah. And at the meeting, somebody says, gee, we're having trouble, you know, we, we want to store our records, but we want to make sure they don't get stored in an earthquake. And, you know, the person will say, well, gee, we store in a solid granite mountain in Utah, and it's worked out for us. Yeah. Tell me a little bit, you know, we've, we've heard a little bit about the perpetual storage story. Tell me a little bit of, of you. I, I know you've been around for 31 years with this company, but give me a little bit of the pathway that you've taken from before you you got there and some of the path you've been on since you got there. Okay, well, uh, okay, I'm going to expose myself uh, here. I hope you don't mind. No, go for it. Uh, Thankfully, actually, we're on radio. <laughs> okay, thank you for that. <laughs> I actually... Um, graduated from uh, Brigham Young University. I grew up in Southern California, but since I'm LDS, uh, I went to uh, Brigham Young University, graduated in sociology and psychology, went back and got a master's degree in adult education, and I actually ran an adult high school up here in the Salt Lake area for seven years. Really? Wow. Um, One of the things that happened because of that is one of my teachers happened to be dating the owner of our company's son. He was sent up here after he graduated from USC to run the company. And through this contact with her, I, I had a chance to meet him. At the time, I thought education was getting really strange. And so in talking with him, he said, you know what? He said, we're expanding our business, and I need somebody to help me to do that. Would you want to come up and take a look at our facility and see what you think. So I did. I thought, you know what? Computers aren't going away. Information gathering isn't going away. So uh, I signed on uh, with our company. The other thing that kind of got me in the back door is I actually introduced him to his wife. She wouldn't go out with me, but she went out with him and they ended up getting married and and they're still married now, and happily so. Wow. And so it's not quite nepotism, but it's pretty close. <laughs> well, that's a good way to hold on to your job for a long well, time. you know, but but since uh, after about five years, he, uh, he graduated in international finance uh, at USC. So uh, he was over in Europe and, and Switzerland, in London. Uh, he's been on Wall Street. Uh, he just recently moved back here here. So, uh, you know, he's, he's local now. 
Oh, but wow. for for the almost probably 26 years, I helped run the business uh, with one other gentleman who's been here about 33 years. Oh, my goodness. In fact, our average employee has worked for our company for about 17 years. Wow. People have accused us of putting a ball and chain on their ankles at night and not letting them out of the mountain. But uh, we're a small company. If we get good people, we, we try to set it up so we can keep them. Yeah. So is there a, a high requirement for, what is it, vitamin D if you work inside a mountain? <laughs> uh, Do you get that seasonal affective disorder a lot? No. From Southern California, I probably overdid it when I was a teenager, going to the beach all, uh, almost every weekend. Oh, okay. So I think I stored it up, Tom. Good, good. Okay. Well, I've I've always wondered that, that there is an indication that you know if people sit in office buildings a lot, but most office buildings have at least some windows somewhere in them. What's it like to be in a vault all day? And I realize that you in sales probably don't spend your entire day in the vault, but that's got to be a different experience than, say, working in a office that has windows in it. Right. Well, I'll just I'll just tell you when you come in here, there's really no indication that you're inside of a mountain. It looks basically like an office building. Yeah. When you go back into the vault, it's high and and wide enough and far enough that. In the 31 years I've been up here, we've only had one person who on a, a potential client on a tour said, I've got to leave, I'm claustrophobic. Hmm. So I figure, you know, we, we've done a pretty good job with what we have on the walls and the way we've set up our color schemes and that type of thing. Right. When you're not a ball and chain to the perpetual storage business, because it sounds like you all live under the mountain a lot, and you've all been there for many years, uh, what do you do for fun when you're not working? I got into fly fishing years ago. Yeah. And the great thing about Utah is you can drive about 40 minutes in a lot of different directions, get up into some pretty wild country, great streams. You know, it's it, to me, it's just relaxing. Uh, I like to do that. Since I graduated from BYU and they've got pretty good football and basketball teams, I go to a lot of their games. This is a really interesting area here. Uh, it was for many years undiscovered, but now people are beginning to say, you know, there's so many advantages up here. It's very family-oriented. Yeah. If somebody comes to you, you're, you're at a meeting and, and they're going, hey, I, I, I think it'd be interesting to get in the vault business. They might not have the access to a... Uh, granite, 200 feet underground granite vault. But if they were going to get into the vault business, what advice might you give them? I would say do your homework first. We planted a slow-growing tree. Yeah. In other words, yeah. we we built this, this uh, business uh, very slowly. We tried not to overextend ourselves. I think the other thing is you need to look at who your competitors are uh, in the area, how large your area is. You can go to, like, the economic development group in in your area and find and get lists of, of businesses, the size of the businesses, you know, these types of things, just to make sure that if you do start that, you know, there's enough business available for you. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's been a pleasure having you uh, on, on the show today. It's uh, great to hear your story. Great to hear what you guys are doing in, uh, in, the, uh, in the vault there. And uh, it, it's so interesting to me that, that you have been a, a very focused, like you said, slow grow in a very specific niche in terms of your actual service offerings and what you've done uh, to build that business. Very cool. And I, I really appreciate you telling us the story. Okay, Tom, but I've got to mention one other thing. Yeah. When people ask me what I do, yeah. I have to confess I'm a professional caveman. <laughs> Fortunately for us, our owner hasn't required us to wear a bearskin costume and carry a club. Oh, that's funny. But... So I don't want you to put any ideas in his mind. Uh, I like that idea, though. That That could... You could do something with that from a marketing perspective, and that's what always gets me excited when you when you've got cool opportunities like that. Well, that's that's fabulous, professional caveman. Yep, very cool. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for uh, being a part of it. Thanks for sharing your time with us today, and uh, look forward to hearing more and uh, uh, seeing you at the next uh, event we're at together. Okay, Tom. Thanks so much. Hey, special thanks to Jim Noah. I love the different perspectives and the stories of our industry. This this one's so cool. They, you know, 200 feet under a slab of granite tape data vault only. Been at it 45 years. Wow, what a cool story and what an interesting story. And it's worth just check out on the RIMPRO Report site. Click the link and go to the security page and look at the dude in the with the gun as part of their security i i just thought that's such a cool representation and it's a reality obviously not just a representation they have a couple of them uh that are doing that so a uh, great conversation glad you were able to join us this week as we talk to jim and i hope that his story their story is something that can be helpful to you either from just giving you perspective on things or maybe an idea that came out during the show sponsorship of this show is graciously sponsored by our great friends over there at o'neill software they've got technical support and customer service you can count on all over the world this includes regional coverage in the americas europe middle east africa as well as throughout asia pacific you can check them out yourself at o'neillsoft.com i'm looking forward to next week's show it's my birthday so it'll be a big party have yourself a great weekend a great weekend we'll catch up next week have a good one we are out of here Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com, where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.